Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kira Smalcom are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. Okay. Hey, I was asked this morning to talk a little bit uh, about religion and Christianity and where are we as far as that goes. Uh, I had the great privilege of living in two cities. I was actually born in Australia. Today I am an Australian and an American citizen, so I have the privilege of being in both worlds. But predominantly my life rotates around two cities in the States, uh, Georgia Atlanta, Georgia, which is a little bit different to here, but great, great city. And then the other half of my time, I spend smack bang in the the middle of North Hollywood in Los Angeles. We started going there about six, seven years ago. So we started in Georgia 18 years ago, planted a great church, which I love dearly. Then six to seven years ago, to my horror, my husband said, babe, it's time for us to start traveling Over there on Sunday afternoons, I believe if we leave church around 12, we could make it to North Hollywood by about 4 or 5 in the afternoon. I thought he was joking, but he wasn't laughing. So I figured pretty fast that he was serious about what he was saying. And so when you look at uh, Georgia, we would be known as classically being a religious setting. I'll I'll just read some of the types of signs you see in front of churches in Georgia. And, uh, you know, when I first saw them, I thought it was a joke. Uh, But very quickly, when I sort of referred to those jokes amongst the Southerners, they looked at me as if I had a strange sense of humour, because to them I did. Okay, this is the sort of thing that you see in Georgia. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Try Jesus. If you don't like him, the devil will take you back. (laughs) Can't take the heat outside. The church is prayer conditioned. If evolution is true, how come mothers only have two hands? Uh, Jesus is coming. Look busy. (laughs) Bring your sin to the altar and drop it like it's hot. I mean, I'm not kidding. (laughs) I would be at that altar the whole time. God would never allow me to be standing up again. Uh, One more. Midnight mass and toga party. Bring your own, bring your baby Jesus, bring your own baby Jesus to the toga party. And then Walmart is not the only saving place. And so, you know... (laughs) It's quite bizarre. I mean, I used to watch Christian TV back in Georgia. And again, I thought it was a comedy because I'd never seen anything like that from growing up in Australia. Uh, The funny thing was, as time went by, they kept on repeating those shows. And I discovered that they were actually really true. Now, I might be seeming to pay out on Georgia, but... My deep heart's conviction is it is an amazing place. Even though we are known as the buckle of the Bible belt, much great has come out of Georgia. And I would say to you today that there are at least seven to eight churches that have actually come out of there due to the generosity of C3 Atlanta. A lot of us don't realise that. Dean and myself would get the credit for most of that, but it's very little to do with us. It is to do with the, the base of that church being giving and loving God. 
And so when we look at it and say it's religious, I've had to change my mind because when I started going out to LA, although I would look at LA and say, wow, they're cool, wow, they're classy, they've got great dancers, they've got great actors, it's the place where a lot of people go because if you go there, you think you're going to become someone. I realise that religiosity is just as strong there as it is in the South. Because we have to understand that religiosity is really nothing to do with culture. Religiosity is nothing to do with traditions. Religiosity is more a thing of our hearts. What is actually going on in our hearts is linked up with how religious we will be. And I have found through the many years of my life that as much as I thought when I left my little Anglican church at the age of 18 that I would no longer be religious, Religious, religiosity has visited me time and time again. And I've realised that it's something that I will have to watch how much of a hold it gets on my heart for the rest of my life. And when we look at the Word of God, you will see Jesus, but he is very often accompanied by religious people. And so let's turn right now to Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Mark 3. One to six, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill him. So there's several obvious parties in there, but the two that I want to focus on is Jesus and the way he conducted himself. And the enemies. Now, if you look in other translations, the enemies are actually described in several different terms. They're described as enemies, critics, Pharisees. But then many, many translations call them the religious. And so we can put a lot of those terms into the religious basket. But when we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see a man who is willing to actually break the law to do good. We see a man that is filled with love and grace, but also boldness to stand up to do something good, despite the fact that there were the religious there. We see a man, though, who always leaned towards God as a supernatural God. But then on the other hand, we see the religious. And how does that passage describe the religious? Heart of heart. Came in to criticise came in not looking and then thinking, well, that's wrong, but came in to actually trip up Jesus. They also didn't see the supernatural, although it was right in front of their eyes. Rather, they're those that read Scripture, I would say, to find fault and can't see anything supernatural as God, supernatural about God at all. See, when we look at religion, it actually presents itself as a standard maker. 
rather than being one that's willing to be discipled or to serve God. Religion's rule-based. It's fault-finding. No acknowledgement of an upper power and an inability to overlook fault. See, my discovery for myself, and I've been saved since I was about eight years of age. I've seen so much in life. No doubt in this room, there are those that have seen even more of life than I have. But I would say every single one of us has a propensity towards religiousness. So what exactly is religion? By definition, it's to be bound by rules, rituals, so that one may attain salvation. But then what salvation is changes according to what suits us. I don't really want to surrender to a God, but I'm a good person. So surely good people go to hell. Well, that that person's got that problem in life. They're still nice. It's not, not their fault. So... I can't worship this Christian God because he doesn't have mercy for that. But then we actually overlook the incredible supernatural power of a very loving God who never desires to stay in a state of hopelessness but designed every single one of us to overcome. See, why did the Pharisees, why did the religious get so upset with Jesus? And this is what happens. Religion comes in and invents its own rules, but then determines that a situation is only right if it suits their own agenda. I don't know about you, but I have found myself in the past going into a situation. And if that situation threatens me, if that situation challenges me, if that situation doesn't suit the way where I want to go, then I start start passing judgment, not according to what God would say, but according to what I feel is acceptable to me. When the Pharisees, when the religious came into the synagogue that day and they saw Jesus doing the miraculous and they saw that Jesus day by day had been gathering crowds, they determined to start tripping him up and they decided to start changing the rules because he was drawing the attention away from them. They felt that their authority was beginning to slip. And so if their authority is beginning to slip, they better get rid of that man called Jesus because he was going to start changing history and he was going to start having a consequence for their lives. See, we need to understand, no matter what, our propensity towards religion is not going to so much hurt others, but it is longstanding going to hurt us. Even I found after my salvation, my propensity was to still try and change the rules. You mean I've got to love my husband all the time? (laughs) You mean I've got to accept that he's got a few bad faults? Isn't his life supposed to revolve just all around me and make me happy? I got really good at pointing out the scriptures that said how a guy should treat a wife. But I was really good at ignoring the ones about the wife and how she should treat a husband. Man, I've got to do what he says every so often. Nah, those passages, they need to be put out of there. 
See, we have this leaning to go religious. Religious means that we love to invent the rules and standards for others. After my salvation, I had this guy that I was dating come to me. He found this scripture in the Bible and it said that if you had been a big sinner, I mean, who hasn't been a big sinner? We've got some big sinners in the room today. Oh, we've got a few really keen to put their hands up about that. Awesome. I'm in good company this morning. You know what he told me? He said, when you come into the church and now you've committed your life, it is important that you stand before the entire church and and admit every single thing that you have done wrong. I had another young friend who at the same time committed her, her, her life to the Lord. She found very quickly this church down the road that said that uh, every woman should wear hats to church and you needed to wear long dresses. And so immediately after her salvation, she started attending that church because she thought it was easier to uh, to comply with a rule that told her how to dress rather than try to work it out every week. What happened the day after her salvation, the devil comes in and he tries to place rules upon us and tell us what to do. Thank goodness she broke out of that. Six weeks later, I think she ran out of hats and long dresses because, you know, at that age, you don't want to wear the same thing twice. Am I the only one in the room? I'm still a little bit like that. Guys, you've just got to understand that's a girl thing. It's not a sin. We love to hang on to that thing. We need lots of new clothes all of the time. But thank goodness, six weeks after that she started to comply to this church where every week she'd have the hat and the long dress on and she's sort of feeling pretty good because, you know, you don't have to worry about the state of the legs too much down here when you're wearing long skirts all the time. Six weeks after that, she realised what she had done, that she'd given up the freedom of Christ and tried to bring rules into her Christianity, thinking if we just had the rules, we will never step out of bound. But the thing is, when we try to live a rules-based Christianity, we're going to trip ourselves up more than uh, ever. We don't worship a God who says it's all about the rules. Rather, He comes in and He says, I've given you promises and I give you those promises so that you can live up with them, up to them. Every single day, you will find that your inner man, your heart, your mind will collide with the promises of God, will collide with the power of Jesus Christ. And as we allow that to happen, we find that we walk in a greater sense of freedom. See, our God is not a God that wants to trip us up. Thank goodness, He says, you can come repeatedly to the altar and lay our disgusting sin, our bad habits down for Him. But He doesn't stand there and say, oh my gosh, that's another bad deed. Go and stand in the corner again. Oh my gosh, that's another bad deed. I'm going to turn you over and I'm going to paddle your little behind. Oh my gosh, that's another bad deed. Out of the gates of heaven you go and down to hell. Is that your place? No, our God, He has these promises for us and He gives us these guidelines. But He says, as you adhere to those things, I'm going to take you higher. I'm going to take you closer to your destiny and the contentment and the peace that you will feel is beyond anything that we will ever experience according to our own rules and regulations. 
Allow that inner man. Allow that heart of yours. Allow your mind. When you're saying that cannot be done, understand that our God created us and he created us to do greater things than his son. And he doesn't set those things out there and says, it's just there to try and make life hard for you. Rather, he sees so much more for us. The religious take the supernatural out of the Word of God. The religious take the supernatural out of the Lord our God. And when we live according to those standards, we are always going to fail. We're always going to come up short. But when we lift our hands and realise in church, when we're lifting our hands towards our God and we're lifting our minds towards our God, we find that we connect with His supernatural power and we will achieve greater things than we ever thought we would. You know, even the greats at times found that they succumbed to religiousness. I don't know about you, but I find that so reassuring that I'm not the only messed up person that walked this earth. (laughs) David and Solomon, they reverted back to religiousness in taking all of those wives. That wasn't God's plan. There they went. They grab all of those women thinking that, well, that'll just build my life. But it was a product of the religious culture that was around them. But I'd say you the greatest example that we can come back to is Sarah and Abraham. And we girls, we talked about them last night. Why did they settle to make an Ishmael? Because they couldn't understand that God's promises were something to attain to rather than to trip them up. They moved in and out of religion and in and out of faith. Why did they go to religion and create an Ishmael? Because their hearts were filled with fear. We can't do this, God. So we'll make up a few rules along the way and we'll bring a cute little model along with Abraham, and then they together, they can create a child. Their hope was crushed. But then at the result of Ishmael, they see their fault and they realise that they denied God his rightful place. They'd forgotten that God truly is a supernatural God. Do you know there's promise after promise and prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament that hundreds of years later comes to pass in the New Testament? There's no coincidence about that. There's no one that lived from the times of the Old Testament to write those things to then make sure that they came to pass in the New Testament. It is only because of the supernatural power of God. I, Sarah and Abraham, they realise the, the fault of their ways and they come back to their God and they find hope again. And out of that hope emerged faith and out of that faith emerged God's supernatural touch. And what do we find? The birthing at a very ripe old age of a young man that there was part of the fulfilment of having Jesus Christ on this earth today. So I'm just going to finish it here. Greater is he that is in us. 1 John 4, 4. When we're in a religious state, 
We fail to take hold of that. Jealousy overcomes our heart. Judgment overcomes our heart. Envy overcomes our heart. Despair overcomes our heart. And we forget that the very essence of our God is that he created us, but he created us as a being to take hold of a God that is greater, who can shift anything in us. Religion doesn't do that. Religion only will set the rules, move the bar, and say everyone else is at fault, just as they did when they were around Jesus. The beginning of that passage, Mark 3, 1 to 6, says, and Jesus went into the synagogue again. You know, church wasn't too good for Jesus. And Jesus went into the church again. He didn't go in there just to always teach and boss everyone around. He didn't go in there just to hang on a cross like this, just to remind everyone of who he was. Brother, Jesus went into the synagogue. Another word for it, temple. Another word for it is today what we have, the church. Jesus went into the church again and again and again because he loved the fellowship, he loved the worship, and he wanted to be around the teachings of his Father. If it's not too good for him, it's not too good for us. But see, then there's another way we can read that passage. In the New Testament, repeatedly, We are described as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? When we're feeling weak and vulnerable, there's a Holy Spirit that resides within us. How are we with asking Jesus again and again and again to come our way and to come into our living temple? And when we allow him to do that, it shoves aside, it crushes that religiosity that resides within us, that's part of having a fallen man, a consequence that we see in Genesis. He comes in there and he pushes that stuff aside. And what do we do? We find that we walk in that freedom again to go and fulfill what God has for us to do. Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SV, please visit www.c3sv.com.